The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. If you like what you hear today, subscribe. Pretty much every platform lets you do it. And then you'll be notified every week when we drop a new episode. One thing I think a lot of people, especially young people, miss out on is learning about money. It's important, we all need it to live. You don't like not having it, but there's not enough information going out there. What are taxes like? How do credit cards work? Savings, so many things. Well, our guest today is an exceptional person, Roseanne Garman. She leads RHC, a construction company that works with a lot of government contracts. Life always hasn't been easy for Roseanne, though. She's had to learn a lot along the way and work hard to get to where she's at. So today we're going to hear a little bit of her story and some of the lessons she's picked up. Let's check it out. So my family came over from New Zealand in 1984, and uh, we came over actually on a B visa, and we never left, which means that um, we were actually, I was actually undocumented for, um, for 10 years. And so um, my mother was a single mother, and um, she, we didn't qualify for uh, benefits being undocumented, and so she um, took care of elderly people or people that needed extra support in their homes uh, to help make ends meet. Um, so the way that I grew up is, um, is a little different um, than how I live today. Yeah. Well, I imagine in those sort of circumstances, your mom must have really known how to make a dollar stretch or get by with pretty little, I'd assume. She did, actually. Um, one of the, the most impactful lessons I remember uh, from my mom um, was the fact, you know, it's crazy to think about now. Um, I believe she made like $1,000 a month and she raised three kids on that. And I just want to, like I mentioned, one of the most impactful things about that was um, how she always figured out a way to meet her obligations. Uh, and so if our power bill was too much or uh, something came in that was more than what she had, she would contact the, um, you know, who she owed money to and set up a, an arrangement um, to ensure that she could pay it off. And sometimes it was $5 a month. Sometimes it was more than that. Um, but she always wanted to make sure that she paid off who she owed money to, which I thought was, at the time, <laughs> I remember being embarrassed by it, right? Yeah. Um, however, now, like, that's such a powerful lesson, you know, that you have to figure out a way to meet your commitments or do your best to. Well, we always talk on the show about how you learn from your parents' example. And that example you're saying, it's almost like that, that is a core value of someone to believe in paying off your debts, even when it's not convenient. I absolutely agree. Um, and she just figured out ways to um, make ends meet. I don't 
really remember us going without, right? I mean, we had um, shelter, um, we had food, uh, and so we may have not had things that uh, some other individuals growing up may have had, but she always figured out a way to make sure that we were taken care of, um, which is very, very impressive looking back at what she, at what she did. Yeah. Were there other money lessons you got from her? My mom was a big believer in, uh, uh, in tithing. And so she would have set, set aside uh, 10% of whatever she earned. And that came first uh, before she paid bills, before, you know, anything else went out. Um, she set aside 10% for her tithing. And so when I look at savings, uh, even though it's not the same thing for me as tithing, I think of saving money first. So whatever I need to, you know, my monthly amount that I want to save, that comes out first before I actually pay bills or anything else. Briefly, can you explain the process of, okay, here you're young, low-income family, and here you are very professionally successful. What, briefly, just what took you along that process? It's kind of interesting, and it's a little convoluted. Uh, okay. However, um, I actually was on my own by the time I was 16, and I couch surfed a little bit, stayed with family members, and um, worked some miscellaneous odd jobs, attempted to go to school, dropped out of high school, um, entered the Running Start program, eventually uh, received my um, my high school diploma, and um, I started working as a fire sprinkler receptionist. Um, so a receptionist, excuse me, for a fire protection company uh, when I was 18. And that led to another position with a local company uh, where I ran their office for a couple of years. And so I just had this really uh, unique opportunity to um, work in the construction industry. And one of the, the last firms I worked with uh, was actually here in um, Olympia. I worked for a general contractor called uh, Christensen Incorporated, and they're still around to this day. And uh, the owner actually really invested his time in me. He taught me how to read drawings, how to read a spec book, how to bid, how to manage a project, just, you know, all the, um, the fundamentals of construction. And so I had a different journey working for uh, one of the largest pre-engineered metal building companies in the world. They built all of the Costco's um, oh, and wow. then finally settled back here in Washington state and then um, decided to start my own company. That was a good uh, condensing it into very, <laughs> I think with a lot of the young people I know that, you know, I work with, it seems like just knowing how to work, like how to show up, how to put energy in that's a good chunk of the battle, just being a dependable person. Absolutely. And I would also say um, showing up and then uh, also like being willing to uh, figure things out, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that there's this misconception that you have to have everything, like you have to know how to do all the things with a specific job. And I will tell you that pretty much every job I ever had, I uh, was thrown into the deep end of the ocean and had to figure things out. So taking that initiative to kind of learn and look outside of the box, I think is really an important um, skill set that you can bring to an employer, no matter what uh, sector it's in. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Well, so now you have your own children and you're teaching them about money. One thing that was interesting when we've talked before is you've mentioned you don't believe in traditional allowances. So explain that idea to me a little. Uh, so I have this uh, belief that kiddos should have some skin in the game. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so my two children, um, they do get an allowance. However, there are, are um, jobs associated with them. And there are things that they're responsible for weekly uh, in order to receive that allowance. And so let's say they you know, uh, don't do one of the uh, one of their jobs, then there will be a reminder. And if it's not taken care of, then there may be a reduction in their allowance. So it's not just, you know, every week you get $25 or, you know, $5 or whatever it is. There's jobs that are associated with it. So it's sort of like your job is at the home. And if you do it, you get this allowance. Can they do more? Like, say they like clean the whole house or something. Yeah, so from time to time, uh, one or both will have their, you know, eyes set on something that might be a high dollar uh, ticket item. And so what I've done in the past is create a board and I'll put sticky notes on it and it will be um, mop the downstairs, right? And then I'll put $5 for that or give the dogs a bath and $2. Uh, so come up with various chores, mainly things I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, provide um, a dollar amount for it. And so they like actually being able to get the stuff done and being able to earn more money. Um, it doesn't happen very often that they're looking at something uh, where they want to be able to earn a bunch more money, but they know that the uh, option is there. Yeah. What about when they like break their cell phone or something? It seems like teenagers just can't not break the cell phone. Do, do you replace it or do you make them do the allowance for it? Or what's your philosophy there? Uh, so my philosophy on that is that they have to work for it. Um, so if they break it, uh, I believe our insurance is like $200. So then they would either have to, um, use birthday or holiday money or any money that they've earned, um, to go towards that. And so unless there's, uh, so my son is older now. And so it is our primary way to communicate where he's got practices and different things. Um, so unless he's earned that there may be times where I will loan him the money and then he'll have to pay it back. Yeah. So you briefly talked about savings, but I want to dive into that a little bit more. So are you teaching your children this saving 10% idea or how does that work in regards to parenting and teaching about money? Uh, so I do um, ask the kids to save 10%. Uh, and so I have a little chart where we'll keep track of it. Um, and sometimes that doesn't go over with my with my nine-year-old very well. Yeah. Um, however, uh, yes, it is something that I'm in, attempting to instill in them. Um, and sometimes the confusing thing is, well, why do I need to save this, right? Especially for my nine-year-old, my 14-year-old uh, sees the value in it. Um, and really it's about uh, that lesson that I learned from my mom. When you put something away first, right? It doesn't become something that you can um, decide later not to do. So let's say you have, uh, and you know, for the kiddos, let's say maybe my oldest had a loan, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for to replace his cell phone. And so he had to pay, you know, $10 a month or $20 a month, whatever it is. Um, if he didn't put that 10% away um, and then made his loan payment, um, he might be more inclined just to spend the rest of his money. So I want to set up good habits for them where saving um, becomes something that's non-negotiable, right? Not something that you just do because now you've got a little extra money. Yeah, I, I think that's a tough routine to get in, but I think like, wow, if I would have saved 10% my whole life, I'd be balling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh. 
Well, and, and maybe it's not 10%, right? Maybe 5% works for some people. But again, it's like a different mindset of like this money comes out first and then I pay the bills and then what's left is what I, you know, what I can do whatever I want with. Totally. I, I think another challenge for a lot of people, youth and adults, is credit cards. And sometimes it's like, well, I'm just going to keep living my life how I'm living it. And use the credit card, but then you get all this debt and it's just so hard to get out of. you have any thoughts about credit cards? I do. Um, and mainly based on my experience as an 18 year old, yeah. um, I'm totally dating myself, but uh, I remember going to Mervyn's in Lacey um, back when Mervyn's was there and I was so excited. I got a $500 credit card and I maxed it out like within, a, you know, like a couple months. I didn't really understand um, how credit worked and the implications if I had a late payment and late payment fees and the interest and just how it all came together. Um, so it's really important for me to have that kind of those conversations uh, with my son and my daughter about credit cards. Um, I also think that credit cards really target young people um, mm. and not having that awareness of how long it'll take you to pay off a $200 balance if you only make the minimum payment what if you, you know, are, have a one day late period and then you've got, you know, a $40 late fee tacked on there. So I think for kids or, you know, um, teenagers being able to understand like the implications of credit cards and how they can impact your credit score um, and then how long they could actually take you to pay off. Something that I think about sometimes is investing can be a real way to build wealth. But for a lot of people, the idea of investing just seems intimidating because maybe you don't know a lot about it or it's like, well, I don't have thousands of dollars to put into this. Are there any easy ways to get into investing or teach your children about investing? Walk us through that process. Uh, so I will say up until probably a couple of years ago, I felt absolutely intimidated by investing. Um, and I was uh, really fortunate to meet a group of women that um, had the same outlook on investing. We wanted to learn more. And um, so we formed an investment club. And so we actually uh, teach each other about investing. We learn about stocks. We learn about EFTs, all the different things. And so that has actually given me... Um, a really great uh, baseline to be able to come home and teach my kids about investing. And so what we've done has actually, um, we, we've downloaded the free app Robinhood, which is okay. a really great um, free trading site. Um, and you can get started with um, investing any dollar amount you want. Um, so it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars. So for my son, um, I believe we started investing, um, finding different stocks that um, I thought would be interesting for him based on what he wanted to see, um, but $10, $15 um, here and there. And so um, again, like birthday money, holiday money, extra money that he had, he'd be looking sometimes to invest in um, the stock market. I feel as though like having conversations around money um, and investing with your kids sort of lessens the taboo around it. Well, I think you touched on something that's very interesting of it's very taboo in society to talk about money even, or it's considered rude sometimes. Yes, I agree. Uh, and so, you know, it is, it is interesting because my youngest will be like, well, how much does this cost? Or how much is our house worth? Or how much do you make? Mm -hmm. Or 
have you. And so having those conversations um, around that, and it also makes me wonder like, where exactly does that come from? Right, like why, why is that such a taboo thing to talk about money? Um, because if you can't actually talk about money, how are you gonna advocate for yourself later in life if you are trying to get hired you know, for a position or advocate for a raise, um, if you're afraid to talk about money and not truly knowing what you're worth? Yeah, I think just the practice of talking about it and getting comfortable with it. I would like to see um, the younger generation, right? Kids uh -huh. being comfortable with money and um, understanding how to, uh, you know, review a budget, how to develop a budget, how to, you know, what goes into that, how do they balance a checkbook, how, which yeah. that again, I feel like dates myself as well, right? Because nobody actually writes things down in a checkbook cover anymore. However, but, but that process I think is really important. Yeah, teaching how to manage a budget. Do you have your children manage budgets? Like, do they set out like, this is my budget for the month? So I actually have done that with my son a couple of times, right? So he will have a budget for the week mm -hmm. on like, these are our groceries, right? Like these are the things that go out this month and then attempting to see how he can manage it. So far, we haven't met our budget, uh -huh. <laughs> um, but it's been kind of interesting, right? For uh, in that exercise for him to see like, oh, okay, right? Like all these different things go into it. And so um, that process of like, the the stop at Dairy Queen or let's eat dinner out tonight or if I need to pick something up from the grocery store like how that goes down really quickly or affects the budget really quickly. Well and money can sort of feel like this unreal thing when you have a debit card and it's like okay I got it I'm not handing anyone anything. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience here? Boy, I really believe that more financial literacy for our kids is important. And in middle school, high school, uh, different programs with nonprofit groups, I think can support that, especially for our lower income kids. I think for, for me growing up, it would have been really beneficial to understand how the world really works when it comes to money, understand how to manage a budget or actually just a paycheck, right? Like we're, we're taxes you know what what are taxes where does this go how much do I have left and so um, I think really instilling more financial literacy into our youth is really important um, and again high schools middle schools uh, nonprofits would be great avenues to do that yeah it's such an important thing for life well, thank you so much for being here today. This was a really fascinating conversation and just thank you for everything you do for the community out here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, Roseanne. Outside of her work, Roseanne does a lot of amazing things in the community. And I think I speak on behalf of many in saying that we appreciate everything you do. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>